Welcome, my name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. As the author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, I think you can actually hack your dog's brain, ethically of course, and make your life a hundred times easier. If you don't know how to do this, you're just wasting so much time that could be spent exploring with your dog, going on adventures, relaxing, literally just enjoying your dog more simply because you know how to hack your dog's brain. Now, I don't mean hook up some sensors and try to uh, become a neuroscientist with your dog, and I don't mean like Frankenstein. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about using techniques that are going to help your dog understand what your expectations are and help you explain to them how they can get more out of life and how you can get more out of life by hacking certain things that just make it easier for them. Now, when I started getting into self-improvement and understanding psychology and how habits worked and all that, it was a very big thing to you know life hack yourself and figure out an easier way to do something, how to tie your shoes faster, uh, how to brush your teeth more efficiently, those kinds of things. And that's what I really enjoyed as a child. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I was maybe 10, 11 years old when I had gotten my first iPad. I know like that sounds so crazy to say right now. I was I was a teenager almost when I got my first iPad. And some people are listening to this going, well, I was in my 30s when I got my first iPad. But now everybody has an iPad. So, I, you know, I was uh, 12, 13 years old, whatever it was, and I got my first iPad. And one of the first things I did was how to do this, how to do that, how to do this, how to do that. So I learned how to solve a Rubik's Cube. I learned how to juggle better. I learned how to do some other weird, you know, just skills that I found fun, but also life hacks. And that's not where it started for me. It started actually at a much younger age. The first book that I ever remember taking out of a library was How to Skateboard. How to Fold Your Clothes. One of the first books I ever remember taking out of a library, and I must have been six, seven years old. So, life hacks and ethically hacking your dog's brain can make it so much easier for you guys to exist together, especially if you're having problem behaviors. If you understand the three things I'm going to talk about today, you can start to eliminate problematic behaviors. But you have to understand these three things. So, number one, how do you ethically hack your dog's brain that is by giving them opportunities dogs are opportunists they don't do things out of spite they don't do things to hurt your feelings they don't do things because they're angry with you they do things because they have the opportunity to do them and if you give your dog more opportunities to be successful then they will if you give them more opportunities to do the bad thing they will do that too so what do i mean by opportunities do you have treats with you do you have a way of rewarding your dog without treats, right? Have you taught them a fun game they can play? Are you setting up their environment to make it easy for them to succeed? This is what I always talk about with management. I have to put my dog in the right space to be successful. I have to give them the right opportunity. If I don't, they're going to make mistakes. It is not a matter of if your dog will fail. It is just a matter of when. Training is inevitable. It's just whether you get ahead of it and make it easier for yourself 
or you're going to make it harder for yourself by having to fix a lot of problems. The easiest thing you can do if you have a young dog or are just starting in training is to attach your dog to yourself. Either by holding the leash and have a good five, six foot leash or literally tying them to your hip. This gives you 100% control and it allows you to reward every single possible opportunity that you can. This makes it clear for your dog what the expectation is and it makes it easier for them to coexist in the world that we live in. So you can ethically hack their brain by giving them more opportunities to succeed, more opportunities to test out the things you're doing in training. Let's say you're going to a training class or you've gone to matadorcanine.com slash obedience or matadorcanine.com slash matadoruniversity and got access to our obedience or full video library. If you've done that and you're starting to teach sit, place, down, heel, recall, if you're teaching all those things and you're not using them, you're violating this first objective. Create opportunities. Wouldn't it be nice if your dog recalled every single time? Every time you asked, no matter where you are, what was going on, whether you had treats or not, whether they were distracted or not, they recalled every single time. Most individuals, and you might be like this, only use the recall when we need it. The dog runs out the front door. Or our dog's chewing on something and we call them really fast and we like, get over here. That's the only time we ever use it. Well, our dog hasn't really practiced. But if every single day, all the time, you're recalling your dog and rewarding them, you've given them more opportunities to practice. Even if you only did that, your dog would listen better. And this is true if you look at anyone who has not done formal training and their dog just happens to, quote-unquote, listen. They're just a great dog. They have a wonderful temperament. We've never had a problem with them. If you have a family or friends or your old dog was like that and now your new dog is absolutely off the rail, that's probably what happened. Somebody, some way, somehow, was able to reward the dog. It doesn't have to be food. Was able to reward the dog constantly for listening when asked to do something. Well, I ask my dog to come on over and then I pet them. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You don't have to give them treats. Many dogs are food motivated. It makes it easier for us to teach complex behaviors. But you don't have to do that. You just have to create opportunities for them to be successful. Randomly, I tell my dogs to sit. Randomly, I tell them to lay down. Or I'll invite them to come lay down next to me. All of those things are practicing those daily life skills makes it a hundred times easier for you to exist with your dog if you're going to practice those things and just implement small stuff into your life. It's so much easier to implement this type of training than it is to do two and a half hours of training on the weekend, which I know people who try to do. They go to a class on the weekend, it's an hour long class, and then they want to do a play date afterwards. And then because of in class, they were told, okay, when you're done playing, you should go back to obedience because we don't want our dogs to think that they're just play, they're just doing obedience to get to the play and then they never have to listen again. No, there should be a sandwich, right? You've learned that. Maybe you listen to the podcast and you know I talk about that. And so now you've spent an hour and a half, two hours training and your dog is absolutely shot not listening. And then you asked another trainer, hey, my dog's not listening, but they don't understand the context of what you're talking about. And they say, hey, correct your dog. Your dog knows the behavior. See, they're doing it right now. When they don't do the behavior... You got to correct them. People say that. 
constantly. And that's not true. That's not true. You don't have to correct your dog for them to be well-behaved. You have to create opportunities for them to be successful and reward that so heavily. Now we're going to move into the second way to ethically hack your dog's brain, and that's through use of routines. Because dogs are opportunists, they are going to start noticing patterns, and they're going to be looking for things that cause other things. Right? They're going to look for your mood and temperament, because that might mean if they rub up against you, you might give them a treat. They're going to look for the individual in the room who's going to drop the food. That would be my two-year-old. Right? Or maybe somebody who's just clumsy. They just drop food all over the place, and so your dog ends up laying near them. There's a routine involved. Maybe your dog knows every single day at 6 o'clock you wake up, and so now at 5.55 they try to wake you up. You end up waking up, they go, yeah, I did it. I got him to wake up. We used to actually do this with my cat. Instead of an alarm clock, our cat would just walk on our chest. <laughs> now he's opted for sleeping in the living room, and we close the door at night. So teaching those routines can be insanely helpful, especially in the beginning. Of course, you want a dog that isn't reliant on a routine. So if you need to change your life up, if you need to change things, you absolutely can. But a routine is going to help you, and it's going to help your dog understand what's going on in life and how they can get more opportunities to be successful. Let me explain. If I woke up 6 o'clock in the morning, and my routine is to wake up, take a shower, have breakfast, and start working. Every single day I did the exact same thing. Every single day I wake up, I take a shower, I have breakfast, I start working. I wake up, take a shower, have breakfast, start working. Wake up, take a shower, have breakfast, start working. What's going to end up happening? I'm going to wake up. My dogs are going to see that I'm awake. They're going to know I'm going to go take a shower first. So they might not get up. When I go to have breakfast, most likely I'm going to feed my dogs breakfast at the same time. Right? And then I'm going to go to work. Now I work from home. I work in an office in my house. Not, uh, I don't have to go anywhere. And so this situation might be different for you. But I could change the routine, wake up, take a shower, have breakfast myself, and then do a little bit of work, and then feed them afterwards. Now, why would I do that? Depending on my routine. Let's say I wake up, I take a shower, I have breakfast, I do some work, and after two hours of work, now I'm free to do whatever I need to for the day. I got to go do chores or I got to go outside or whatever. I've kind of set the stage for the rest of the day to be free. So now I can do what I need to do in the morning and then feed them and then take them for a nice two hour long walk if I chose to. That's a little bit of flexibility. But the routine would say I wake up, I take a shower, I have breakfast, they have breakfast, which means when I come out of the shower, they're either going to be insanely excited about breakfast. They're going to be in their spot for breakfast because we feed to the same place every single day. Or if I don't feed them and they're used to that routine, they're going to come bug me for breakfast. Most clients of mine have problems in the morning routine when it comes to the bathroom. So that's the first thing that we fix. You wake up. You end up taking the dog out first thing because you're thinking in your head, well, I got to go to the bathroom, so they probably go to go to the bathroom. So I immediately take them out, then they come back in, then I feed them breakfast, then I take them out again. Somewhere along the line, your dog gets used to that. And perhaps you wake up in the morning and you don't get to them fast enough. 
and they ended up going to the bathroom on the floor. Or you took them out the first time, then they had breakfast, and then you got hung up getting ready for work because you got to leave, and then your dog ends up going to the bathroom again. No bueno. It's no good. So what I actually recommend doing is wake up, do everything you got to do first, right? And this takes time. You might have to wake up earlier and slowly start to stretch it, right? So if typically you wake up at 6 o'clock and your dog has to go to the bathroom exactly at 6.03, then you might have to wake up at 5.45, do a little bit of what you have to do, and then take your dog out once at 6.45. Or you could do it another way. Instead of taking your dog out at 6.03, you take him out at 6.04. And then the next day you take him out at 6.05. And the day after that you take him out at 6.06. See what I'm doing? So I'm slowly pushing it back further and further and further until it gets closer to the second time I was going to take them out. Let's say there was an hour difference. I take them out at 6, I take them out at 7. I'm slowly going to push back the first time until it's 6.30, 6.45, 6.50, 6.55, 7 Now I'm only taking my dog out once. My dogs only go out once in the morning. We wake up, we do whatever we got to do. Again, I shower, have breakfast, do a little bit of work, and then I might feed them, and then we go outside. They are used to that. That is a routine that they have become accustomed to. And I can change it if I need to. It doesn't need to be exactly at the same time every day, although the routine is going to help, especially if you have a puppy or you have a dog with a behavior problem. Dog gets too excited about the leash. Oh, my God, run around, run around, run around. That's the routine. Record yourself for a couple of days in a row and watch the exact same thing happen over and over and over again. It's going to happen. It's just going to it's going to repeat itself over and over and over again. You'd be like, "Wow, I didn't know I did that." You you do the same thing every single day without realizing it. Now, the routine what it does to the brain where it's it's hacking the brain is it allows you to put your attention on the other things you need to. So having a routine, and this is uh, scientifically proven, having a routine takes the stress off your brain of having to figure something out. And so it saves that energy, if you want to think about it as a, a power bank, it saves that energy for the other things that you need, whether it be studying for school or college or work or being a parent or doing some advanced training with your dog, whatever that may be. You need some mental energy to do it, otherwise you're going to be tired all day. So having certain things be on an automatic habit and routine makes it 100 times easier, and it does the exact same thing for your dog. Do they need to be making life-changing decisions every day? No. But the routines make it easier for them to go through life and think about the other things. So if they understand, well, you have to wait for breakfast on your bed, they're not stressed. They just know, okay, well, i got to go wait on my bed. If they were stressed, anxious, excited, overstimulated, ah, being crazy, and then you reward them in that mental state, that's what they're going to start living at at that threshold, that uh, mindset, and that's not what we want. So if you create a calm routine that is predictable and easy for your dog to replicate over and over and over again, they will become much more relaxed, and it'll seem as though life just makes a, a smooth transition from one step of the day to the next. Now, the third way to ethically hack your dog's brain is through gambling, and I don't mean go to the casino. If you've talked me, if you've heard me talk about gambling, it's one of my favorite topics, and I'm gonna have a book coming out about it soon, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Gambling with your dog essentially says there's routines in place. 
There's opportunities for you to be rewarded. But now that we've done enough training and you know what the expectation is, I'm going to randomly reward you. And I'm going to reward you in a way where you have no idea when it's coming. You have no idea what the reward's going to be. You don't know how many times I'm going to ask for something, how many times I'm going to reward you for that something. Right? I could give you multiple rewards. As well as whether I'm going to have you do it, reward you, and then immediately have you do it again without the reward. This creates a certain level of excitement, spontaneity, interest, engagement, so many wonderful things. So many wonderful things. Simply because you're just gambling. You're just gambling. Really, your dog is gambling. And they're gambling on, well, I listened this time. I don't know if I'm going to get a treat. I listened again. I don't know if I'm going to get a treat. I listened a third time. I don't know if I'm going to get a treat. I listened a fourth time. Ooh, I got a treat. All four of those repetitions become more ingrained in your dog's brain because you rewarded the fourth repetition. And then the next time you reward the second repetition. And the next time you reward the tenth repetition. So what does this look like? If I were to go for a walk, and let's say I live in a busy street, a busy uh, city, and there's blocks. This is the best way to understand it. We go one block and my dog's perfect. I might reward them. Now, remember, I want to pause for a second. This is after doing a lot of training. This is not the beginning stage. Okay, You've created opportunities. You've created routines. Now we're talking about our dog knows what to do. We're just gambling to help make everything stronger, more solidified, and last the rest of our dog's life. Okay? So don't go outside and be like, oh, Michael told me to do this. You you will fail, and I don't want that for you, so I want to make sure that's clear. If you're still teaching your dog how to walk on leash, then this is not the right step for you. Okay? This is, my dog knows how to walk on leash. I just don't want to carry treats with me anymore. That's honestly where the, the mindset from most individuals comes from. My dog knows how to walk on leash, but I, I was told to always have treats with me, and I don't really want to have treats with me anymore. Okay, this is what we do. So you got a couple blocks. You go the first block, and your dog gets a treat for walking with you the whole block. Then you go the next block, and they look at you expecting a treat, and you don't give it to them. You go two more blocks, and then you finally give them a treat. What's going to end up happening is your dog has no idea how many blocks they have to go before they get a treat, and they're willing to keep going as long as you've kept them successful throughout the entire training process, they're willing to keep going and keep trying in the hopes that they will get either a regular reward or a jackpot at the end of doing something really difficult. This is how people are able to go for walks with their dogs for extended periods of time without their dog needing a treat, without the individual needing treats. The dog just gets used to that pattern and they go, okay, well, now we go outside we go for a really nice, peaceful walk, and then when I come home, I get breakfast. Some people do it that way. Or they get lunch, or they get a treat, or they get a toy, whatever it may be. So teaching your dog how to, quote-unquote, gamble and keep trying and trying and trying and trying, right? You keep pulling the lever. Ah, oh, I didn't win. Okay, I'm going to pull the lever again. Ah, I didn't win. I'm going to pull the lever again. I didn't win. All right, one more time. I'm just going to, you know, this, if I don't win, I'm out. You pull, you win. Now you got rewarded for that thought process of, ah, one more, one more, one more. One more try, one more try, one more try, until you actually win. That is really how you ethically hack your dog's brain. That's the ultimate goal. Because now for the next 10 years, all your dog's going to think is, one more. I just got to do one more and then I get a treat. Just one more. Just one more. 
Now, if you want to get more of this type of information, more ethical hacking for your dog's brain, go to matadorcanine.com slash cheat codes. matadorcanine.com slash cheat codes. Learn about all of the cheat codes I talk about in dog training and the things that I spent years studying to try to implement into other people's lives because it saved me and my dog so much headache, gave us so much more freedom. We were able to do so much more because we understood these. matadorcanine.com slash cheat codes. Now, I'll leave you with this. When I started out training, the education I had in life hacks and self-improvement changed the way I looked at dogs rather quickly. In the beginning, I had learned the alpha theory. You got to be the pack leader. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know, and you might have been there at the same point. But what I started to learn was that's not necessarily true. I don't have to be the alpha of my dog. I need to be the leader of my dog. I need to teach them what my expectation is. Otherwise, I can't hold them accountable. I can't hold myself accountable if I don't teach them. Whose responsibility is it? It's mine. And so by learning all of these different tricks and techniques, you can put a formula together that makes it easier for you to work with your dog and be less stressed with them. Training is stressful. (laughs) It honestly is. Because some days are going to be good, some days are going to be bad. Some days your dog's going to listen perfectly, and some days it's like they've never learned anything. And it's going to be frustrating because you're putting in all this effort. And if you're missing just a few key pieces, or you don't see the whole picture, or you don't remind yourself as to why you're training in the first place, It's going to become very frustrating and very difficult for you to keep going when you hit those roadblocks. My dog's not listening. I'm just giving up on this method. My dog's not paying attention. I don't have the right treat. Now I got to blame the treat. So I want you to pick up so many pieces of information and sift through them. Find the pieces that work for you. That's why I put out these episodes. That's why I'm on social media talking about dog training. Because I was in your shoes at one point. I thought I had a bunch of the answers. And it ended up not helping me in the long run. I was more stressed out with my dog. I was worried that I was going to have to give my dog up if she didn't listen. And I had to learn so much just to get to the point where now I can enjoy my dogs. And it took years and years of training and studying. So I don't want that to happen to you. Head over to matadorcanine.com slash cheat codes. I promise you it'll save you years, years of time with your dog. So you can do more and enjoy more. Thank you guys for listening. If you want a specific topic to be talked about on the podcast, let me know either through email, matadorcanine.com, or on social media. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you next time.